feeling really weird right now. It's a Thursday afternoon. I just got home from work. On Thursdays, I knock off at 2, and I get home kind of early. And um, I had a good day today. Nothing nothing weird, just kind of my normal stuff. And, and I finished the day, actually, one of my hygienists had chipped her two front teeth, and, and uh, we were just going to kind of, we are going to do some, I don't know, they're kind of kind of composite veneers essentially, but we we're just going to kind of kind of fix those. And and uh, so we took an impression uh, on Tuesday, and I, I just did a little wax up and made a putty matrix the way that Jason Smithson taught me how at Cosmonent, and and uh, and I didn't have to number up, and it went awesome. It went really good. Like I looked at what I was doing, and I'm like, man, that, I loved that. That was so fun. I mean, that was it was real simple. But it was cosmetic dentistry. Like that was that's it wasn't just a regular filling. It was really it was really cool. And um it's so funny because there's no reason that I should be emotional about any of this, but but it just feels I've had a lot of things pointing in this weird direction. And I felt like, man, I really liked doing that. I wish I could just do that like all the time. And I just have so many things going through my head right now. I thought I would kind of like talk a little bit about it and see if I can come to to grips with anything. But like, basically I, I had a nice day that, that finished up great. And now I'm trying to reevaluate where I am. It's crazy. It's crazy where a person's brain goes sometimes. And I have to say, I'm definitely very much up in my head. I have not been trying to, uh, I've been just running with the emotion, which is the exact opposite of the stoicism that I, I generally like to think of myself being stoic and, 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 and sort of, uh, understanding and approaching life with a stoic viewpoint. I'm not, not doing that right now. <laughs> I'm feeling really emotional. So I'm going to dive in and see what comes of this. Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world, in a way that's never been done before. I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, thanks for hanging with me, guys. Um, So basically, something crossed my mind multiple times this week, and I I think about it a lot. So I used to listen to Howard Ferrand's, uh, if, you've, if you've ever seen him, goes, I mean, they were like new probably 20 years ago or something like that. He co- they called him the, he called them the one day MBA or it was, I don't know, it was a whole bunch of, it was a huge set of, of CDs and it was just Howard in a studio kind of riffing on, on the business of dentistry. And I was pretty heavily impacted by that. Plus I was, I was huge in Dentaltown and I spent a lot of time on Dentaltown. So I was really influenced by a lot of those guys and Howard had I don't know if I'm hearing this right or remembering it right, but like Howard talked a little bit about there's a couple different ways to to be really great. And this wasn't necessarily about dentistry. I think it was an analogy he used, but frankly, the the analogy wasn't lost on me for dentistry. And like you can either he talked about hamburgers. He <laughs> said you you can either build a gourmet hamburger a really expensive, fancy, the best hamburger anyone's ever gonna ever gonna buy and eat, or you can be McDonald's and make a whole hell of a lot of hamburgers, you know, and be in all the right places and sell hamburgers like crazy, but just the basic hamburger. But trying to do both is 
is essentially not possible. And that stuck with me a long time. And one of the reasons it stuck with me is because my practice is, is in the middle. Basically, I think I aspire to do, you know, really fancy and, and high-end work. I don't think I probably reach that very often. Um, I think I do okay, but I, I don't. But the story is is that my volume, the, the amount of work that I do is closer to an office that's aspiring to do this high-end work. In other words, I don't see a huge volume of patients. I have a tiny office by comparison to most of you guys listening. I make as little money as anyone you know in dentistry. And one of the reasons that I can do that, one of the reasons that I can be an under-producer and, and you know, my, my levels of, of dollars coming in are just a lot lower is that I don't have a ton of debt. Like I... I, I don't have a practice loan. I paid that off, God, 10 years ago or more. I don't have any student loans. I paid those off probably five or six years ago. So uh, I have a building that I own, my dental office building, but the, the mortgage on that is so tiny, and I'm already five years into that. You know, it's, it's just one of these things where I just don't have a bunch of fixed costs that are, that are eating me alive. So I don't have to make as much money as a lot of people. And unfortunately, um, I used to be a roller skate dentist to some extent. I, I used to run two operatories, just, just gangbusters full, two, two assistants running just as fast as I could. Um, and I found myself, that was before I went into treatment for drug addiction. Um, I slowed down after I got out of treatment. And whether or not that was a great idea or not, I don't know. But like I like a leisurely schedule. I have plenty of time in my schedule to, to drink coffee and, and uh, you know, be on the computer and mess around. I certainly, I certainly could do more. I could be more productive. I think maybe I told myself and maybe it's true that for my mental health and for me to be able to not be too stressed out and push myself into, into, into bad places again, I needed to lighten up a little bit. And so I've taken that to heart. I really, my schedule is pretty lame, but then again, like I said, I don't, I don't have a huge nut to crack, so I don't have to make a certain amount of money. Here's the problem. I love I love high-end dentistry. I love the fact that because of podcasting, I have a relationship with with uh, Jason Smithson, who was on Dentaltown like crazy. I just used to look up to him like crazy, and I've taken courses from him, and I've been able to talk to him. And, and like I look at him, and I go, "Okay, that's that's the pinnacle." He's clinically he's an excellent dentist, and he does a lot of high-end dentistry. And frankly, I don't know what his practice is like. He's described it as really slow and takes a ton of time and, and I think he's he's a he's a talent that's that's sort of beyond belief. And I know that I don't have that. I know that I'm not a beyond belief talent. So the question is, you know, is that something that he developed or is that something has he always been really talented and he just realized it and, and, and found his niche. I look at him and he is that gourmet hamburger. He's the hamburger that that people would travel for for, you know, hours and hours to to experience that that kind of that kind of experience. But then I look at a lot of offices and I spend a lot of time with, with people that are on the other end where, where their, their main, their main interest in dentistry is business. They're, they're, these are people that I don't doubt they have clinical skills, but they're not hung up on the clinical stuff. They're not, they don't, uh, they don't split hairs about clinical stuff. You know, you always, but they, but they produce like crazy. Like they really they really produce and they really understand business and their overheads are low and they, and they, they optimize the, the time that they're at the office and they have efficiency figured out. And honestly, it makes sense to aspire to be like that because if you're going to be there, why not maximize your time? 
I'm stuck a little bit there. So what I have to tell you is I'm stuck between these two things in my practice. I I have really great patients. I I have I, I think about this constantly. I'm like, when things go wrong for me in my office, um, I I hear I, I read on Facebook and I hear from people about how angry patients they are and they're snotty to them and and they make they make you feel bad for not getting it right over. But I I just I honestly can count the number of times where I've had patients that were that were nasty to me for whatever reason on like one hand, and I have plenty of stuff go wrong like you know, as often or more often than anyone else. And I've got these patients that just, they accept, they accept things, they, they handle it. You know, they let me make it right. All this stuff. I mean, literally I've got three cases right now where I'm just like, I'm reeling because the, the stuff that I, the lab work that I, I was expecting back didn't go the way I'd hoped or whatever. It's crazy. And, and I, I, we constantly remark, we have the best patients ever because I love to do great things for them when I can, but when things don't work out, they're not jerks to me about it. They totally understand, and, and they let me make it right. I mean, that's an enviable position to be in. So I have this I have this special practice that I like going to and that I like working in, but I feel like my practice is stuck between this big case, high-end greatness with all the, the newest technology or everything like that in this you know production-based business where I'm I'm cranking it out and and I'm stuck, and I think it's because of my personality. I think it's because of who I am. I, I'm, not, I'm not really right for either one of those places. And I just wonder if there are other dentists who ever feel like this. In other words, like I'm, I understand that, that money makes the world go round, and I understand that, that as a business owner, it's, it's important that you make money. That, that needs to be a high priority. But I can't get really behind it. I just don't get so into the business aspect of it. I'm not an entrepreneur like at heart. I think I'm a little I'm a little bit of a creative at heart. You know, like I like to make stuff, I guess. I like to but but on the other hand, I'm not <laughs> I'm not this incredibly talented clinician where I can where, you know, my skill set draws people from from miles around. It's like not like that. So I'm kind of I'm kind of this just in this stuck position. And I don't I don't I've just felt very emotional about it lately because I remember writing an essay to myself, long, dumb story, but I was, I was flying, I think probably from the dental town meeting, God, who knows, maybe 2004, a million years ago, something like that, flying back from Vegas. And I had, um, I had a computer. It was a tablet PC. It's really funny. This is like before iPads. This is before, like there was a time when like, it was really interesting when someone would have. Uh, a tablet that had a touchscreen. It was this convertible thing. It was an Acer, and it was a brick, and you could turn the the screen around, and then you'd use a pen. It wasn't touchscreen like with your finger. You had to have a stylus, but it would allow you to write and do stuff um, on the screen. It was very at the time very high tech. It was, and, and I was a nerd for it. I loved that stuff. And I remember handwriting with the pen on the plane this sort of manifesto about how I was stuck between the gourmet burger and making a lot of burgers. And I use that analogy because that's what Howard had used at some point. And clearly that, that made a big effect on me. And so I grabbed that and I kind of ran with it and, and it was a struggle for me because I didn't know which way I wanted to go, but I felt like if I was going to make it, I had to do something. I had, I had to make that change somewhere. And I had to, I had to start doing that. And and I mean, I suspect literally this happened right around the time 
where I started to lose a bunch of weight, like on purpose. I, I, I went out of my way because I just like always, I've been overweight forever. And, and back in 2005, man, I lost a bunch of weight. And I think in my mind, I had made the choice to go. I, that's it. I was going to be the high end dentist. I was going to, I was going to be the one that people came to for big cases and for cosmetics and all this stuff. And I remember 2005, I took more CE in one year than I'd ever taken in my life. I took a continuum, an orthodontic continuum. I took Rick Litt's continuum in, in Birmingham, Michigan. Uh, it's the the force. He's he's a great teacher. Lots of ortho CE. I never did a case of ortho in my entire life, but I took a CE. I took Coys 1 in 2005. Like I went out for the continuum Coys 1. It was the end of the year. I I remember vividly because... At that point, I'd lost all this weight, was feeling really good about myself. And I took the course by chance uh, at the same time as Dr. Tammy Bailey, Dr. Brent Young, and Dr. Scott Bridges, who are three of my friends who I I think that might be the first time I met them in person. I might have met them at the Dentaltown meeting before that, but they were big on Dentaltown. And I, I just, I got to know them a little bit for the first time. I was feeling good about myself because I had a few years clean and sober and I could talk about it comfortably. And I was looking good. I'd lost this weight. I was feeling good about myself. I remember going, um, my wife and I went out to San Diego with a friend of hers. And I, I was, I went to the world Congress of minimally invasive dentistry meeting. And I, I loved that stuff. I really got into it. I just felt like I'd really hit my stride. And I'd realized that I knew that I was, I had to go. I wanted to be the high end guy. Okay. I took a ton of CE that year and I was feeling good about myself. It was 2005. With 13 freaking years ago. <laughs> Anyhow. But, you know, it didn't ever happen. Like, I didn't follow through. Just like everything, I, I, I ended up gaining a bunch of the weight back. And I, I the CE was great, but I didn't follow through. Like I said, I never did an ortho case. And and in some ways, that's okay, because I realized I wasn't really into ortho. That wasn't that wasn't going to be my thing. So I didn't do that. But I also, you know, I took I, I went to Koi's, and I didn't really... I can say that I, I applied some of his stuff because at the same time at that World Congress of Minimally Invasive Dentistry, they were talking a lot about Canberra and risk assessment, risk evaluation, which I still think is a great – I think dentists really should look at it. But, but I got to tell you, I don't have a very specific protocol that I'm using in my office even to this day on that. What I'm telling you is that I don't follow through with stuff. The only things that I followed through with really in my life um, – Problems that I fixed in my own life or uh, recovery. I, I somehow was able to stop uh, drinking and, and doing drugs. And uh, this podcasting thing, I seem to be able to continue to do this even though, like everything says, that you're not going to. It's very weird. Podcasting is a funny place because people talk. There's, actual, there's an actual term called pod fading, which is like basically... The amount of work that it takes to put into a podcast is enough that, like, the glory of doing it and getting credit for it is not <laughs> is not as as good as how much work it takes. So, a lot of podcasts don't usually make it past a, you know a X number of episodes. Clearly, I've gone beyond that because I really like it, and and there's been tons of benefits for being a podcaster. I love having the people in my life that the podcast has brought me to. That part's awesome. But I I just am hung up. Like for how many years? that I've thought about this whole stuck in the middle between what kind of practice do I want to be? What kind of dentist do I want to be? I never really resolved it. And so I just kind of muck along in this little practice that it does fine. It's profitable and it, it pays the bills. It's, but it's not huge. It's not a, I don't look at it as a huge success and you don't see me um, presenting at the AACD meetings or, or uh, 
you, you notice that Coy's hasn't invited me to lecture because of my incredible knowledge of occlusion and restorative dentistry. <laughs> I'm just kind of a guy with a microphone, you know. Not a bad place to be, but but I just I I just definitely felt like today I was sort of I felt a little crisis because I'm like really you know I remember having this very vivid thought of I need to do something different. It's the same year that I got into microscopes, right? Like, I love dental microscopes. I love the fact that I have them. And it took me from probably 2004, 2005 to, I think, 2011 before I got my first scope. And, uh, I mean, I just went back and forth about this was what I really needed. And once I had this, my, you know, I'd definitely be able to put my plan into place to do to be the kind of dentist that I thought I should be and all this stuff. And, uh, of course, I, I have, I've bought multiple microscopes. I have microscopes. I love them. I use them a lot. But I don't use them all the time. I, I I use them less than you probably think I do for as much as I talk about them. Um, I always use my high magnification loops if I'm not in them, but still, like like I don't have a purely microscope based practice. There's times when I'd like to do that, but it's just hard to follow through on stuff, and so I'm I'm stuck in the follow through of a lot of this stuff. And you know, thirteen fourteen years later, I'm literally thinking about the same thing. I'm like, okay, what kind of practice do I want? To do? do I want to do I want to grow this to make it humongous and you know, productive and, and, or do I want to make this like a boutique practice? And so much of the time I spend time thinking about how I should do things differently. I have this practice that's paid for and that's literally, you know, paid the mortgage on my house and, and literally like put food on the table for my kids. And I'm, I'm, I'm irritated because I want something different. I think I should be having something better. I, I really am struggling with that. And I'm not struggling like I'm going to, do something drastic. I just feel like I feel like so much time wasted. Like so in some ways I'm I'm sort of recording this in hopes that if someone else is sort of stuck in the beginning phase of this, realize that you can you can be stuck in this for a long time. And I'm not even sure that that's a horrible thing to be stuck in it for a long time. But this can be something that affects you for a long time. Something else that's kind of funny. I think about this. I am so slow to make a decision about anything. I constantly tease Jason about the fact that as soon as we have someone on the Dental Hacks podcast that's talking about a service or a procedure or whatever, Jason buys it. Jason is in. He does it. He's all in. And even if he's not following through doing a ton of it, he tries it and he implements it as best he can or he, he works to implement it. He's quick. I tease him because he spends money on stuff like crazy because he's, he's like, I'm into this. I'm going to do this. And I'm the opposite of that. As much as I love having those people on the show, I am not quick to make a move on stuff. It took me seven years to go from uh, from like first deciding I wanted to have dental microscopes in my office to getting one. <laughs> seven freaking years. And I, I literally, in those seven years, I just obsessed about them constantly. Crazy. Like it just, instead of, you know, I think of that wasted time. So it's just definitely struggling with that. I um, So I was feeling pretty emotional because I, I, did, I did a couple of what essentially the, the kind of stuff that I learned from Jason Smith in a cosmonaut course, you know, four years ago that I just don't do very much of in, uh, on my hygienist. And I'm thinking to myself, this, I love this stuff. This is what I want to do. You know, like, why, why don't I do more of this? And I don't have an answer. I don't know why I don't do more of it. I, I think I'm, I just, it's easy to stay in the rut. I think that a lot of folks, including myself, understand what that means. It's easy to stay in the rut. It's, it's tougher to add something new or do something different. And when you, when you're someone like me, who makes changes slowly like this for whatever reason, and gets pretty comfortable in the rut, it's 
you're less likely to go ahead and make the radical changes. You know, like like most of the time, the changes that have stuck with me are things that I I had to I had to really fight for, and and because I'm comfortable and I I I do well enough and I'm comfortable enough and happy enough, I don't I don't necessarily push myself in those ways, and it's it's frustrating sometimes. Um, so on top of that just feeling kind of emotional and feeling really weird about like literally having this exact same conversation with myself that I had, I, I think, like I said, 14 years ago or something like that and being essentially in the same spot that I was, that's depressing. That's hard. But I started, I started a book on an audio book books called the sourdough and I'm about, I'm about 25 minutes into it on audible and I, I'm driving home from work listening to this and um, it's, it's a fiction and it's, it's actually about, I'm not 100% sure what the book is even about, but but the the story in the first 20 to 25 minutes has really grabbed me because they're talking about uh, soup and sourdough bread. <laughs> okay, you're like, what are you even talking about? You've lost your mind. It's true. I have lost my mind. Uh, soup and sourdough bread are two things that I love to create. Um, I Before I started the podcast, I know I've told you this, before I started the podcast, I used to bake. I used to bake bread like crazy. And I laugh because I'm I'm a type two diabetic. Baking bread is is like the worst habit a type two diabetic can have. But I was obsessed. I was I threw myself into it like like to an artisan level. Like I literally couldn't I, I couldn't make bread during the week because I had to go to work. <laughs> I had to go and be a dentist. But I couldn't wait for like a day like today, a Thursday, where I could start. I could start a recipe and I knew I'd be, I knew I'd be baking the next day. I was obsessed with it. Right. And I kind of do the same thing with, with soup. Like I love making bone broth and I love making soup and, and I love part of it is I like to follow the recipe, but part of it is I like to throw my own stuff into it. I just, I get into that like crazy. And also if you've heard me talk about whenever I go to a big city, I always like to find a, a place that's doing ramen or Japanese street food. I love that stuff. And that's kind of right up the alley. But this, this book I didn't know. I didn't know that it was going to hit this emotional key for me because the it's basically I'm going to give you the first 20 minutes, no spoilers here, but the the main character is a woman who works for a tech company in in San Francisco and she finds this little takeout restaurant. Basically she's describing her life as being one of drudgery, but she finds this little takeout restaurant of these people who are making some kind of ethnic food. She's not even sure what that's the most amazing soup and the most amazing sourdough bread she's ever eaten in her entire life. And literally it's the only emotional connection she has with any people. And the way that of course, you know, food books, they always, it's always food porn. They always describe stuff in such great detail. And I love that stuff. I, I dig that stuff. And this book is really so far very well written. I'm really enjoying it. Again, it's called sourdough, but like I'm kind of emotional about it because literally this is the stuff before I started podcasting. This is the stuff that I did with my time, man. That was the main hobby I had. And, and it's it's a great hobby, except all I did was eat. You know, it's like the problem is, is like you make that stuff and you want to eat it. Not probably a great thing for someone who's who's kind of sick with the sugar here. You know, I, in any case. So I'm listening to her describe all this stuff. And literally, I'm practically in tears on my way home from work just listening to this. I'm like, I don't, I want to listen to the book more slowly because I'm already so into it. And, and, and I've got this emotional thing going on of like, wow, you know, I, all the things that I've, I, I told myself I wanted to be, I kind of, I kind of ignore them and just keep on with the rut. And then lo and behold, I pick up this book and essentially it's, 
It's things I deserted because I was doing something else. Just lots of weird emotional stuff. I don't even know if I should be recording this on a podcast, but I felt like it's what I do when I get hung up on stuff. So, I don't know. I'm okay. And I have this weird position. It's a funny thing. I it, I, I hesitate to even talk about it because... um. So I'm going to start this live. I'm going to start this Facebook live thing right now. So we'll see what happens. I'm not going to really pay attention to, uh, not going to really pay attention to who's writing what, but anyhow. So I talked about my emotional day and I talked about how this book was hitting my emotions. And then I was going to talk a little bit about a funny thing with the podcast. I, I, this sounds arrogant. I don't mean for it to sound arrogant. I never really do. Doing a podcast the way that, that Jason and I have been doing for several years now has given us a position to talk with people and be around people that and actually relate to people. And by people, I mean these continuing education like gurus and big people that are big in dentistry and just get. Okay, so the last episode I released of the Alan Mead experience as of this recording was, was literally Dr. Mike Detola and Dr. Josh Austin doing essentially a therapy session in my hotel room in Chicago. Three and a half years ago, that wasn't going to happen. Mike Detola was this gigantic guy on in front of the stage, and I was the guy watching it. But the podcast essentially has let me into his life in a way that I, I, hadn't, I wouldn't have been able to before. So the podcast has afforded me lots of, lots of um, FaceTime with people that I really look up to. But yet... I feel kind of like a poser because I still have the same dumb practice that I always did. You know, I'm still just doing the same little things that I always was. And it's something else that, that affected me today. So today we we announced, I put out a banner on the dental hacks nation that, um, the bioclear learning center, I'm doing a course. I'm not doing it. I'm helping Dr. Kim teach the course. She's amazing. I've taken the course and, and I, I love to talk about BioClear, so they're letting me help her do the course, and it's for Dental Hacks Nation and and Alan Mead Experience uh, listeners only. and And go check it out on the Facebook page on the Dental Hacks Nation Facebook page. You can kind of find it, and and uh, really looking forward to that. And that's that never would have happened if I wasn't a podcaster. Dave Clark wasn't looking for me before I had a podcast. You know, this is some of the things that that I I get to do because of this thing. But I also have a chance. It's really cool. I haven't told anyone this either, but um, I'm going to go back to Seattle and and uh, Tacoma in June, and I get a chance to to go to the Koi Center again. I'm going to interview. I don't know who I'm going to interview. Probably Johnny Koi's for sure, who is is the the main guy with Evidentia Software, which I think is awesome. But I'm going to give him the whole day. I'm, I'll I'll record about whatever he wants to, and I'm hoping to to kind of get behind the. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking, you know what, Mead? It's time for you to like get serious about about this this stuff that you've been doing or not, but make the decision, right? Make the decision. Don't, don't beat yourself up about not having done it or doing it. Make a decision. And I'm just, I'm hung up on that. I'm really hung up on that. So 
I don't know. I'm not going to drag this out any further. I just was feeling very emotional. I don't even know if this is going. I don't even know if this is going to make it to the podcast. But just one of those moments where I feel like everything's fine. I'm doing fine. But I'm looking back, going, I should have been doing something different. I had plans that that didn't happen. Maybe that's okay. I tell you what, 13 years ago, I didn't think I'd have a podcast that anyone would listen to. So there's that, right? <laughs> something to be said about that. But I just am feeling emotional. I thought I would share it with you guys. So again, hey, if you're interested in in uh, hearing me uh, say crazy things and and help out with a BioClear course, go check that out. You got to call the folks at BioClear to ask for Tanya. I don't have the phone number in front of me, but you can Google it if you're interested, or go to the Alameda Experience website or the or the Alameda Experience Facebook page. Um, if you're not a member, go and ask for an invite and give them the uh, password. Premiere, we'll let you in. We'll talk about it. I'll definitely put the banner up there as well so you can check it out uh, if you want to be a part of that. If you haven't taken the BioClear posterior course and you do posterior resonance, you'd be crazy not to. It's so awesome. It's fantastic. you got to go check it out. Um, again, let me uh, let me know what you're thinking. You can email me at alan at beadfamilydental.com. If you think I'm crazy for sharing this stuff, you're probably right, and I'd love to hear about it. And you know what? Thanks for listening. If anything... If any success that I have in this world, it's probably come from this podcast and giving me a chance to do what I do here. And so I appreciate you listening. And uh, again, thanks for listening. We will catch you again on another episode of one of these podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. 